Welcome to Real Talk of Real Life. This is your host, Ryan Riggs. Today on the podcast, we are joined by AJ Johnson. AJ uh, is has been a longtime friend of mine, uh, was recently released, um, is also a client here at Real Life, um, but has been battling uh, addiction and, and the things that go along with that for some time now. And so um, kind of wanted to just talk with AJ to kind of, once again, uh, you know, just encourage and talk about, uh, you know, some of the things that he uh, has been through and also some of the, the work that he's doing to help overcome, um, you know, his past and, and move forward with his life. So thanks for being here, AJ. Thank you, Ryan. All right. So uh, so you were released when? Um, I was released on March 13th, was which was about, I say about two, going on two weeks ago now. So released from Riverside Regional Jail. All right, so you landed here at Real Life. What uh, what was different this time? What made you decide to come um, to the Real Life Community Center? Well, when I was uh, incarcerated this time, man, I, I mean, I, it wasn't my first time being incarcerated, but but this time, I, you know, for some reason, something inside me just, you know, wanted to do something different. I um I actually uh, graduated from the Real Life program in Riverside, and uh, upon, after doing that, you know, it just – it got me to thinking about my life and where I was headed and everything like that. So when I um, when I was released, instead of going back to the same place and doing the same things, I decided to uh, you know give myself a shot at a, at, a, at a good life and and I came straight to the river uh, the real life program. All right, you've been doing well since you've been here, man, and um, you know it's been encouraging for me to watch you. So um, you know, tell us a little bit about you know uh, you know how you got to this point in your life where you. Uh, you know, before you, you got incarcerated, like what kind of, you know, what led, what was your upbringing like? Um, you know, what, uh, you know, how did you get involved with the drug um, lifestyle and, and crime lifestyle and all that type of stuff? Okay. So, um, well, I had, a, I had a good upbringing. My uh, my father was in the military, so we traveled around a lot, been to a lot of different places. Um, I actually played basketball. I actually played basketball for, for most of my life. Um, been playing basketball since I was like seven years old, organized basketball. And, um, you know, I started out real young, you know, experimenting, um, you know, started about 12, 13, you know, smoking a little weed and, and drinking a little bit. Nothing nothing too serious, I thought at the time, you know. But, um, you know, all, all my friends and everything were doing it. I just thought it was, you know, the cool thing to do. So, you know, I, I started out with that. But at the time, you know, I was still playing basketball. I still had motivation as a, as a child. You know, I had I – had, dreams and aspirations as most kids do of of becoming a big basketball star well when I was a senior in high school I uh, broke a bone in my foot playing football and was unable to continue my basketball career um I guess it was then that you know my 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 attitude kind of changed I kind of got you know um I kind of got, you know, the the fuck it attitude and uh after that, you know, I started experimenting with with the little harder drugs. Um, you know, so time time went on, you know, when in my early 20s I uh, was partying a whole lot, um, you know, working, maintaining. Uh but it wasn't until I was about I'd say about 23, 24 when um when I first did uh heroin and uh after that you know, heroin was a whole different ball game. You know, I, I thought because I've done a, a, a number of drugs in my life and never got addicted to to one substance, but when it came to heroin, heroin just 
I don't know. It, it took it took over me, and uh, you know, I um, I actually used heroin intravenously for, mm, I don't know, twenty four and about, I want to say ten plus years. Um, you know, I I was I wasn't one of those guys that that sniffed. I actually um, you know, after I sniffed a few times, it was only a couple months, and then I I found the needle, and after I found the needle, that's when my life uh completely changed. You know, I. I um, for a while there, it was manageable, I guess I would say, you know, I, um, I was still working. Um, I had, you know, me and the, the mother of my child were living together. I was paying the bills. Um, you know, I was doing, uh, extracurricular activities to have an extra income. Um, you know, I was, I was selling drugs and, you know, I, I was living the lifestyle I thought, you know, was I didn't see nothing wrong with that lifestyle. You know, I, I saw a lot of people doing it and, you know, no consequences were, were ever made. Uh, you know, so I, I really didn't see nothing wrong as long as I was taking care of my family, uh, paying my bills, doing what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't, I really didn't see nothing wrong with what I was doing. Um, I had been locked up several times throughout my 20s, uh, you know, nothing serious. Small probation uh, violations, small petty uh, um, little uh, possession charges, uh, nothing big. Possession of marijuana, I have a, I actually have a bunch of those, um, but nothing big. So, you know, I was locked up in and out of jail all throughout my 20s. And then um, when uh, I was 30, around 30, I was on federal probation. Um, you know, I got knocked for, for failing my piss test, and they gave me six months in uh in the federal federal holding facilities. Um, at that time, my son was actually just born. Um, I had got locked up three months after he was born, and I missed his first uh, Thanksgiving. I missed his first Christmas, and I missed his first New Year's. Um, when I was incarcerated, uh, the mother of my child decided to leave, and she went to stay up in Northern Virginia with her parents. And you know, when I got out of when I got out of jail that time. <laughs> things were different. You know, I didn't, I didn't have nowhere to go. Um, you know, I didn't have a girlfriend no more. My son was gone, you know, so I just, I honestly said, I, I just wild out, you know, I started, um, that's when I started using really hard. Um, you know, I started, uh, I started using meth and, uh, I started using Coke and I started using heroin as, as well. You know, I was anything I could get my hands on, I was getting high on, you know, it didn't. It didn't really matter what it is. If it was in front of me, I was gonna use it. I mean, that's just how I kind of lived my life. And uh, through my thirties, was real rough. Um, you know, I was really heavy into my addiction. You know, sickness. I don't know if y'all know what sickness is, but when you're a heroin addict and you don't have it, and uh, you, you you get real sick, your body gets sick, your your legs get fidgety, your stomach is real upset, you cough, you sneeze. I mean, it's like having, it's like having a having the flu times ten all day long until you get your fix, you know? So, um, I mean, that's, that's pretty much where I was in my life. And, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't care. I didn't see as I was hurting anybody else. I was doing it to myself. You know, I was, I was lying. I was stealing, not just stealing from stores. I was stealing from my family members, you know? Um, I mean, you couldn't leave your purse, your wallet, your car keys. I mean, you couldn't leave anything around me because I had a quick eye at a quick hand and if I saw the opportunity for a come up, I was taking it. It didn't matter what it was. I didn't care. I didn't care who you were, you know, best friends, 
it didn't matter. I have burned so many bridges around here that it's. I mean, I can't. I can't even fathom. I don't understand why my um, why my parents still talk to me. I, I'll let y'all know this. I was the addict that stole from his mother and father. I was the addict that went in there and took every single piece of jewelry I could find. You know, I was the addict that went in when my mom went to sleep would go in her purse and steal all her money out thinking she wouldn't know. You know, I was the addict that, that searched their house when they were gone to see what I could take. That was me. I was in a real low place. You know, I was just, I mean, you know, and then, and at that, that, that time too, um, I had gotten incarcerated a few times. Um, you know, uh, I did, I did about a nine month, nine month stint, you know, a couple six months stint. I did a year stint. Um, in this past time I was incarcerated, it was, you know, probably my longest one. I was, you know, I did two years in Riverside. I did two years for a, um, it was a credit card fraud and, and assault and stuff, but it got uh, amended down to petty larceny and, and an assault charge. And, uh, and my probation officer, I mean, my probation, uh, officer violated me. And they gave me a year and a half for my probation violation and the rest of the time I got for my charges. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, during that time, you know, you do you do the whole, oh, I'm going to get clean. And, you know, I went to a bunch of N.A. meetings and I tried the methadone clinic and, you know, I, I just never took anything really serious. Um, you know, I, I pretty much did all that stuff so people would get off my back and I could continue doing what I wanted to do. You know, and, and it and it worked for a little while, but um, you know, throughout that time, my um, my the relationship with my son kind of dwindled away. Like right now, I don't I don't have a relationship with my son um or the mother of my child. Neither one of them want anything to do with me, and I and I understand that. You know, I put them him and her through a lot. You know, with not paying child support, not picking my son up on weekends I was supposed to, and if I did, being high the whole weekend. I mean, you know, I I didn't. I call myself being there for my son, but if I was sick, we won't do nothing until I got a fix, you know? So even though I was there, I wasn't really there. Um, he does know who I am, though, you know, so, I mean, that's a good thing, and, I, and I'm be working back towards getting him in my life. But this last time when I was in Riverside, um, I don't know. You know, it was different. You know, I, I've done plenty of jail time, and in jail, to me, it wasn't nothing to it. But... You know, I'm 37 now. I'll be 38 in May. And this time it was just different. You know, I'm older. You know, I'm looking around at these kids. I call them kids because, you know, there's a lot of kid, a lot of people in there, 19, 20, 21. You know, so I don't know if you know anything about it, but inside I was, they call me Unk. <laughs> you know, and that that right there, you know, that, that blew my mind. You know, these kids calling me Unk. And I'm like, damn, I'm that dude. Because I remember being their age and being in, incarcerated and seeing the 37, 38, 39, 40-year-old cats and going, man, y'all still fucking up like that? You know, what are you, what are you doing here? And now here it is, you know, 15 years later, and that's me. So um, Riverside came and had a sign-up sheet for, uh, um, for a program. Now, I'm not going to front, you know. I started reading it, and it said you could get out the pod for – I don't know, five or six hours a day. One of the little bit of time was during the lockdown. It was three days a week. I was like, bet anything to get out this damn pod. You know what I'm saying? You know, especially during the lockdown phase. Um, but, uh, you know, when they first came in, I saw Ryan 
and that was real cool because you know he said me and Ryan have been uh, been friends for a while. You know, uh, a few years, going probably going on about almost twenty years now. I've known Ryan, and um, and I saw Ryan, and, and something I don't know, something in him was different. You know, I seen a a fire in him, a spark in his eyes. Like he was, he's clean. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. You know, and that right there got me to thinking. So, um, you know, when we uh, first started the program, I told myself, I said, look, I'm going to take this serious. I'm going I'm to do what I need to do. I'm going to take away from this program what I need to take away from. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take it seriously and do what I need to do. And going in the program and having Ryan come and uh, Urban Hart come and teaching us different classes, coping mechanisms, uh, we they guided us through the 12 steps. I mean, they did so much. They brought in uh, financial advisors. They brought in different people to speak. It was just, it was, it was amazing to me to see these people, hear these people's stories and see how they overcome addiction. Um, I thought I was bad. You know, I thought my life and what I did, you know, I, I thought nobody could compare. But hearing other stories and what people went through and seeing that they could make it gave me hope. So after I graduated that program, I, I stayed on with them for the next group of guys and helped mentor them and, and get them through the program, you know. Um, and, and that whole time, this, this whole time, you know, I was doing my step work. I was uh, staying out of trouble, so to speak. Um, you know, I mean, when you're incarcerated, you know, things go on and, you, you know, you got to handle what you got to handle. But pretty for the most part, you know, I was – I was, you know, I didn't get any charges, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't in there wilding out like I used to wild out. I wasn't store boxing, you know, I was, I was actually on my, my grown man and people could see that, you know, people, you know, people would come up to me and be like, oh, I mean, don't ask AJ, you know, AJ, AJ square now, he ain't gonna do nothing, you know, cause there's stuff that goes on in there and, and people come at you with different stuff. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like you can get high in jail if you want to. I mean, stuff comes in. And, uh, you know, I, I, I told myself I was going to stay away from that. And I did. And I, and I stayed away from that. And the people, you know, I got a job. I did what I was supposed to do. And um, when it came time for me to do my home plan, I was having a lot of trouble figuring out where I was going. You know, I couldn't go back home to my parents' house. You know, I, if I went to the girl house, you know, she was back at the same place doing the same thing, same people. You know, so um, one of my best friends, actually, another guy I've known since high school, I talked to him on the phone and remember that he could get in contact with Ryan. And I remember they said they had a, uh, a recovery house um, that you could possibly go to, you know, if they had beds and everything. So my, my friend of mine got in contact with Ryan and, uh, you know, next thing you know, I was, they, they came, they told me that, you know, they had space for me and this and that and the third. So when I got out, um, my father picked me up took me to the house. I got to see my father and my mother, my mother, and my father, let me tell you this. My mother and my father have been my biggest supporters through everything. No matter what I put them through, they have never turned their back on me. And I, I, I can't, I can't tell you where I would be at without without them. Uh, going back a, a few uh, a while ago, I, I should have told you this. In 2014, uh, one of the weekends I had my son, um, I overdosed. Uh, in my father's house, right when we came home from something to eat, I told my son I was going to go use the bathroom and give him a bath. Well, I was going to the bathroom to get high. And, um, you know, I, I did too much, um, and I overdosed. And I was in the bathroom for about 10, 15 minutes before they realized where I was at. My, I actually had the door locked, so my father had to break the doors down, 
um, called an ambulance. Um, they had to give me three Narcan shots just to keep me alive. One in the ambulance and two back at the hospital. Um, and and after seeing that, seeing my parents seeing me like that, they still loved me and supported me and 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 tried everything they could to help me. It wasn't until I wanted to help myself that stuff really worked. So, like I said, when I got out, um, I went to my parents' house, and then Ryan, uh, who is actually my case manager now, came and picked me up and brought me straight here to the real life. And I've uh, I've been I live in the house. We have strict uh, strict rules. Um, you know, I come to the center every day uh, for my classes and such. And actually, believe it or not. I had I have a job that I'm starting on Wednesday. I mean, two weeks out of jail, and I got a full time gig already. Honestly, I could have started two weeks ago. You know, that's how much people believe in me. That's how much uh, people uh, 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 con- uh, people that are um, what's the word I'm looking for? People that are uh, not in contact, but people that are connected with this um, uh, program believe in me. Uh, so Wednesday, I start full-time landscaping. Um, you know, I'll still have certain classes I need to attend, uh, NA meetings and everything. But, you know, my mindset is just completely different now. I want to succeed. I, I want to do better. I, you know, I, I don't want to go back to that lifestyle, which before I was like, you know, I don't care. It is what it is. You know, I'm going to get high my whole life. But now I don't I don't want to get high. I want to I live a, a, a decent life. You know, I want to be one of those stories not just stories but I want to be one of those people that can make it you know I got a lot to live for I'm a you know I I think I'm a I'm a good person I made bad decisions but I'm a good person I got a lot to live for and I want to live and you know doing the same thing is not going to help me live you know so here I am at real life you know trying to do better all right so um so you have been doing well since you've been home man you know your story is uh it sounds a lot like mine um, but I'm curious as to, you know, cause I know you were in drug court at one point when I was seeing you around, you know, of course you got terminated from there, um, you know, and all that stuff. But, you know, I've watched you this time, kind of like you said, when you saw me, you saw that fire, I kind of see the same thing in you. Um, and so what, you know, what is your, 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 your motivation? You know, what's motivating you? What's different? What's causing this, um, this overwhelming desire to do something different? Like if you had to put your finger on, you know, where you draw that strength and motivation from, what would it be? It's, it's probably two things that drive me. Um, you know, uh, the the first and foremost, the foremost is my life. <coughs> um, I didn't have a life before. You know, uh, all, my life was based around my addiction, you know, and um, thinking about thinking about how many times I could have killed myself you know, it, it just, I mean, when I sit and think about what I used to do, it just it just baffles me how I'm still alive today. My first and foremost dri- uh, drive is wanting to, wanting to be alive. You know, I have a lot to, there's a lot in life that you can live for. You know, there's a lot of things I want to do. And, and being an addiction, I'm not going to get to do any of that things, any of those things. Um, you know, so that and, and honestly... You know, I, they say you're supposed to do it for yourself, and I am doing it for myself. But I also have a son, um, a 10-year-old. He'll be 10 in June. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you like this. The uh, um, 
the last couple of things he said to me were harsh. Uh, him and his mother both said they hate me. They never want to see me again. They don't want me in their life. Just leave them the fuck alone. Um, and that right there, you know, I, there's, there's another man out there. And I'm grateful for, for what he's doing because he's a good guy. But there's another man out there raising my son. I don't know if you have kids. Uh, any of y'all listen to have kids or you're uh, a man that has has a son. This is my only son. Um, this is my seed. This is uh, this is me. And there's another man out there that he's possibly calling daddy. Um, that hurts. Uh, I don't know if but but that hurts. But, you know, just seeing seeing how people live and knowing that I can live that way, too, as long as I put the work and the effort in. You know that that's what drives me. I um I just I'm just tired of it all, and I want to live, and I don't I don't want to you know fall back to the same to the same to the same patterns I was doing. Um, if I put as much effort into this as I put into getting high, you know this should be a, a piece of cake, you know. So, but it's not going to be. Well, I think it, it it can or it couldn't. You know, it don't matter. But really. I think the, 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 the main thing, and you and I have talked about this, um, you know, multiple times is, um, and I think this is one of the keys for, has been one of the keys for me in my recovery is, um, you know, it ain't so much about how I feel or, or you know, the level of difficulty that, that something uh, has. It's, it's more about what I do with that, you know, the action. It's all about action. And so I've seen you do that since you've been here, man. You know, you've been um, – you know, you have done everything that we've asked you to do, and you've uh, remained, you know, vigilant and 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 the process of change. And so, um, you know, I commend you for that. You know, I can relate to the children thing, man. You know, I, I often tell people, man, like they say, you know, you got to do it for yourself. But, um, you know, and I may have said this on a previous podcast, but, you know, how could I pot like look at what I did to myself? You know, like, like I had no self-worth, no value. Like, how could I, like, I was the same person that was trying to kill myself. How could I possibly muster the energy to save myself? You know, so for me in the beginning, it was, it wasn't even about me. I was doing it for my kids in the beginning. But what happened is I began to find joy and find value in life. And then somewhere along the line, um, you know, the same uh, feelings uh, of 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 uh, just really good feelings that I chased after in drugs. I began to find those euphoric, um, you know, fulfilling feelings in 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 life, and I began to 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 thirst for that as much as I did, if not more than I did the drugs. And so I just encourage you uh, to do that. And so um, you know, so another thing I want to talk about real quick, man, is. Um, you know, I know your relationship with your parents, man. Um, you know, uh, you know your your, your father's is uh, you know retired military, mm-hmm. and so um, you know, I had a lot of conflict with my parents. Man, this is by no means when I when I'm saying this is this by um, you know trying to put any blame on anybody or anything. But I just I'm just curious as to um, you know what were some of the 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 conflicts that you had with your parents, because I know your dad's a, a strict disciplinarian, just like mine, um, you know, but what were some of the conflicts that you had and, and, um, you know, how has that, um, you know, played into, um, you know, you being able, cause I, I you know, for a long time, I like to blame my stuff on my dad, mm-hmm. you know, for years I was like, you know, the reason I'm like this is because he did 
But then as I've gained some recovery, I begin to see like, you know, and you being a father, man, I begin to see that, you know, um, man, just how hard it was for my dad, you know, to go through the stuff with me and, and practice that tough love. That's a hard thing to do as a parent, exactly. you know. And so, um, and then I, you know, I'm beginning to see now uh, a lot of the qualities that my my dad instilled in me, man, have 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 been integral in in my success. And so, I'm just curious as to what your experience is like that with your dad and your mom. You know, I had the you know the pleasure of meeting them both, and um, you know, I, I could tell that they're amazing people. But I could also see the fear in their, you know, the fear in their eyes and the, you know, I, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but almost like uh, doubtful hope, I guess, would be <laughs> would be the uh, expression or the energy that I felt from them when we when I came over there to get you, you know. So, um, you know, like hopeful that you get it, but but, you know, our track records are not great. So, um, you know, I just kind of want to touch a little bit on that. You know, I think um, it's important to talk about that stuff. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, he Ryan told you. Well, I told you, and Ryan told you. You know, I, my father was military, so I don't know if anybody ever grew up in a military family. But I mean, we had we. It was strict. Um, you know, we had chores, and you know, we had uh, curfews, and you know, we had this. I mean, my my father led a strict household. You know, um, you know, not 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 like. Uh, I don't know. It, it was very disciplined, I would say, you know, growing up, um, which in turn, you know, a lot of my friends didn't have the discipline in the in the rules that I had. So and, you know, my father raised with a, a old school style, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of kids don't don't experience that today. But, you know, I you know, we got when we got discipline, we got whooped. You know, and um, you know, a lot of my friends and stuff had a lot more freedom than I had. You know, and growing up, I I, I developed a lot of uh, resentment for that because you know it's they're out doing these things, and I got I got to be at home. You know, I, you know I can't, and it was no budging with him. What he said was was law, and you know, so you know over the years, I I developed a lot of um, <clears throat> you know, resentment for that, and uh, you know, as I got older. My rebellious just got, you know, a little a little more and more each time. You know, I got older, I got bigger. Um, you know, so you know, like the whoopings weren't working, like the grounding wasn't working, you know, I was sneaking out, I was doing what I wanted to do and then you know, um but he but he taught me a lot about um, you know, work ethics and and uh punctuality and um you know, I mean the, the stuff he instilled in me even though I strayed away from that, I still have those qualities, you know, um, the manners, the respect for people, um, you know. So as I got older, you know, like I said, I rebelled more. And then, you know, when I got to be about 18, 19, I mean, it wasn't nothing that he could tell me, you know. I mean, I was a, I was a grown man by then, you know, so to speak. Um, so, you know, that, that right there. Um, and being in the military family, too, so my father – um, had high high clearance, so a lot of times he wasn't around. Um, my mother raised me and my sister a whole lot because my father was even deployed. Um, you know, had to go here and here because the military pretty much owns you for your entire life. I mean, they say you go somewhere, you go somewhere. No if ands or buts. Um, he did actually two tours over in Somalia, um, which was real tough on me as a kid. 
um, having your father go away to war and not know if he's coming home. Um, you know, so my mother raised us a lot. And it seemed like sometimes the only time my father came around was to discipline me. So that in turn right there developed a, a sense of um, not hatred but animosity um, towards him. And he was the only thing he was trying to do was in, was raise a good son. I mean, that's all he was trying to do. You know, he he didn't know any better because the way he was raised. So the way he was raised, he turned around and raised us the same way, which was, you know, not saying no, nothing for nothing. My father is a great man. And he, he was a great father, great provider. But, you know, growing up in that atmosphere, you, um you know, you 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 gain a sense of resentment, you know, for 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 your parents. Um, another thing too, um, my parents are, are are I'm a mixed race. Uh, my father is black and my mother is white. Um, now that might not mean much to y'all, but growing up 30 years ago in this society, um, you know, my father, you know, I I don't know if you can tell, but I speak, you know, people say I speak proper. You know, so there, there in turn, you know, was a lot of conflict, too. Um, you know, I wasn't black enough for the black kids and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't white, so I couldn't hang out with the white kids. Um, you know, and I, and I brought that home to my family and, you know, and took it out on them because of what, you know, society said, you know, was supposed to look at me. But, you know, as I got older, um, you know, that all that died down a little bit. And I just, you know, when I got to be about 18, 19, like I said, I just, you know, you couldn't tell me nothing. So I just did what I wanted to do. And, um, but Brian, Brian made a good point, you know, as I get, as I got older and now that I'm clean and, you know, I'm looking back on things, me and my father developing a better relationship and I can see, what he was trying to do. I can see what values he was trying to instill in me and I can see where he wanted to take me in life. And I can see, you know, the hurt in his eyes that I caused. And I can see the, the, the hope that he still has for his son, you know, and I, and, and it, and it, and it, you know, it swells my heart because, um, you know, I, I hadn't, I haven't been the, the greatest a child and, um, but as I got older, as I'm getting older, you know, um, I, I I thank my father more and more every day for what he did do for me as a child. I'm no longer I no longer hold that resentment for for the way he raised me. I'm thanking him for the way he the way he raised me because he did instill certain values in me today that I use right now to 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 you know to further my recovery and everything. My um, you know, he was. My father, my father and my mother, they were terrific parents. They did the best they could and they provided us a good life. You know, I, I had a good life, you know, growing up. Um, it was just my own choice and my own doing and not knowing how to express how I was feeling to people. Um, you know, how it, the way I turned out, it had nothing to do with them. Yeah, which th- that brings up another good point, man, because I think that, you know, um, and we're starting to see this more. I think that the, 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 the quote, uh, you know, quote, opioid epidemic, um, you know, has kind of, uh, you know, as it began to infiltrate, you know, uh, you know, higher, uh, you know, different class structures and, 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 and races, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot more light on it, uh, now, unfortunately, um, and fortunately, I guess, but, um, 
you know, typically when I was growing up, you thought about a drug addict as somebody or, you know, somebody that came from a crazy family and, yep. you know, uh, was poor and, you know, father wasn't around. And, you know, um, and we're starting to see now, man, that uh, that's just not the case, man. This It doesn't matter, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, how you were raised, uh, you know, how good of a parent you had, you know, um, any of that, man. I think that, um, you know, addiction for me, this is just my personal belief, um, you know, for me is is just uh, uh, one of the characteristics of it is is uh, a lack of, of coping skills on how to deal with life, man, you know, and it doesn't matter where you come from or what you deal with, you know, we talk a lot about trauma now, you know, tra trauma is, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, it, 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 one person, what may be traumatic for one person, uh, you know, may not be for another, you know, so typically we think, we think of trauma in terms of, you know, like, like sexual abuse or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, somebody dying or, you know, uh, or, or, you know, having a parent that's incarcerated or something like that. But I would think that, you know, like you having a father that was in Somalia, that could be considered traumatizing, you know. You know, me and my brother and sister all grew up in the same house and, you know, dealt with the same stuff with my parents. But it, it, it may have traumatized me differently and my lack of coping skills caused me to do other things, you know, to, to cope with that that were not, you know, productive in my life, man. And so... Um, you know, whereas my brother took those, you know, those traumatic events and, and, and framed it in his mind a way that was productive for him, right. you know, and caused him to, to, to do better, man. So, um, I don't know, man, I think, uh, you know, I think that, that as you continue to go on this journey, man, one of the great things, AJ, is that, um, you know, the longer I stay clean and the more I experience life without the use of drugs and my mind gets clearer and I, and I grow. Cause technically, I mean, you're my age, you know, you know, people say when you start recovery, like you're, you're a teenager emotionally or whatever, um, and, and coping skills, you know, are, are about there, mm -hmm. but, but you, you progress, uh, exponentially, mm -hmm. you know, as long as we stay clean. And so now I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of catching up with my age as far as my maturity goes and I'm starting to man just really appreciate uh you know my parents man right you know but for a long time man and the crazy thing I wanted to, to, to talk about too real quick is um you know you were saying like when I was 18 you know I was essentially an adult and I was rebelling and like I remember being the same way but it was like it almost seemed like the older I got the more dependent I became on my parents <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> it's like I'm rebelling, like I'm I'm grown now. Can you help me? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm growing, let me borrow $20. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that, that type of stuff, it's just the insanity of it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's crazy, man. But um but yeah, so 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 growing up um, you know, biracial, mm. you kinda touched on that briefly. Do you think that the feelings associated with that contributed um, you know, to your using? Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Um, like, um, okay, like, I mean, it, it's more common now. You see a lot more interracial couples now, and uh, so. But growing up, I'm 37 years old now. So growing up back in the day, um, I say back in the day, you know, 30 years ago. I mean, times were different back then. You know, I, I mean, this point blank period, times were different, and um, interracial couples weren't. Uh, commonly accepted 
as they are in today's society. So, um, I mean, we, we dealt with a lot of, uh, you know, we dealt with a lot of issues in society um, when, when people would see us, um, you know, walk in to a restaurant. You know, my father and my mother and me and my, me and my sister, um, you know, we would get looks and stares, especially, you know, my mother would take us out to the grocery store and hear this little this this white woman with walking with, you know, two black kids. You know, people are like, you know, what, you know, what's what's going on with that? You know, I mean, so we got a lot of looks and a lot of stares and, you know, kids are mean, you know, bottom line, you know, kids are mean growing up. And I mean, you know, kids can say some really hurtful things to you. Um, so. You know, I, I think having to deal with that and not knowing who or how to talk about it to people, you know, that that really, um, that, you know, that really left a left a scar or a mark on me um, that I had to deal with as I got older. You know, I've dealt with it now. You know, that you know, that that doesn't um, that doesn't affect me now. But, um, you know, it, it also uh, opened my eyes, you know, because um, I, I don't see I, to me. I don't understand it. Maybe it's my military upbringing. Maybe it's. um you know, uh, growing up in a biracial, uh, household, but I just don't get, you know, the, the animosity or hatred people have for other races. I mean, essentially we're all the same. We're all people. We're all humans. You know, we might just have, we might have different skin tones and, you know, might live in a different side of society, but I don't, I don't understand why, um, why it's, why it's like that. I've never, I've never understood uh, racism, um, so to speak. You know, I've never understood that. And like I said, mainly it's because I, the way I did grow up. So, like, I'm not, of course, biracial. I'm white as they get. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I can remember, man, being, you know, being a teenager and going through the adolescent years, man, for one, like you're trying to find, kind of figure out who you are, you know, and, and, um, and, uh, you know, figure out who you are, and um, you know, I had like this this discomfort in my um, within me, man. Like I, I I can remember when I used drugs, and I had a lot of friends, just like you did, AJ. And um, you know, but even then, around my friends, I still felt like I didn't fit in. It's weird. It's it's so weird how that is, man. You know, like I. I was always popular. I played sports. I had a lot of friends, but for some reason, like when I was with my group of friends, I just, I just felt like people talked about me behind mm. my back, and like, all, and maybe that did happen. I don't know, but like, I definitely over exaggerated it in my mind. Like, <laughs> yeah. like people didn't really like me, and you know, or they were hanging around me for whatever reason. But I remember when I used drugs for the first time, it was like it shut all that noise off yep. in my mind, and it was like okay. Here's the comfort I've been seeking. Yep. Can you relate? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it I I can relate uh, strongly to what you're saying. You know, it, it's weird. It's weird how you can feel that way in a group of people you call your friends, and you still feel like an outcast. And then, you know, when you when you when you use for the first few times, and you get that, and and you the noises in your head stop, and you and you feel more socially acceptable. You get that uh, you get that little bit extra courage that you didn't have. You know, to to stand out, you know, it, it makes you feel a lot better about yourself. You know, for me, for me, anyways. Yeah, I can, I can, I can relate. So, um, so anyway, man, I don't, I don't think we got much more time, but um, I kind of just wanted, you know, before we wrap this thing up, man, is, uh, you know, what what 
uh, what are your plans for the future, man? Like, what is, you know, what are your goals? You know, I know typically when I ask this question, people say, uh, you know, stay clean or whatever. And that's cool, you know. Of course we want to do that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, what what are some of the things that you've been uh, you know, where do you where do you see yourself in five years or, or, you know, what are some of the bigger goals that you want to be able to accomplish, um, you know, throughout this 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 process of, of recovery and discovery and, you know, uh, you know, just creation, really, you know, creating the life that that you want. I um so, you know, my you know, I actually said, you know, uh, of course, one of my goals is to, to stay clean, um, you know, and, and not go back to that. But uh, aside from that. Um, you know, I, I want to, uh, I would like to try to get my CDLs. Um, you know, that's, that's something that I thought about way back in the day that, you know, I never really pursued. And now, you know, I can feel, I feel like, you know, it's the right time. Um, so I would, you know, work for a little while, maybe get my CDLs, but there are a couple other things I want to do in life. Like I want to be a homeowner. Um, you know, I want something that's mine, something I can say that I bought, Something I'm paying toward that that is going to be mine, you know, a place that uh, you know, I can call home, my son can call home, you know, stability. Um, and another thing too might be funny to y'all, but I want a car payment. <laughs> like real talk, I ain't never had a car payment. I've never went to the lot and bought a car. I've never had that responsibility of having to pay for the car every month. I, you know, I, I've I want to I want to drive something off the lot. You know, that's that's what I want to do and, and you know that entitles a car payment. So that's you know, that might sound crazy to a bunch of y'all people are like, Oh, I don't want no damn Yeah, y'all been paying car payments your whole life. <laughs> you know, I I ain't never I never you know, I've had decent cars, don't get me wrong. Um, nothing real brand new, but I I've had decent cars, but you know, I've never had something new and I see people driving around in these new cars and like I don't want nothing crazy, like I don't want no damn four hundred dollar five hundred dollar a month car payment, but you know, that's uh that's actually something I want. I want that car payment, you know. I want to drive something off the lot. And <clears throat> and it's gonna happen. I'm gonna get the car. I'm gonna get the house. You know what I'm saying? So and I wanna I wanna travel still. Um growing up in the military I got real spoiled. Um we traveled all over the world, all over the United States. And um I kind of got stuck here, not stuck. My father retired here in Richmond, so essentially this is why I retired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Richmond's home now, but you know I I enjoy traveling. I enjoy going to different places. Now it doesn't even have to be, um, you know, uh, St. Thomas or Fiji. I, take a trip to to Wyoming just to see what's out there. You know what I mean? Like just go different places that I haven't experienced before. You know that's. That's something that's also uh, on my things to do. And honestly, that I think with the CDLs, I can accomplish two goals in one mindset, essentially. So, All right. And so I know, speaking of that, I know that, you know, you, you were a floor guy by trade for, for a long time. You're great, great at it. And, um, you know, I think one thing I missed to talk about before I started closing out was, you know, I know that the job that you're starting tomorrow um, – is not a floor job, and you've actually been working on the weekends with this guy, but mm-hmm. doing landscaping. But uh, what played into your decision not to go back into uh, the flooring field? Okay, yeah. So once I when I graduated high school, 
Um, you know, I did attend a year at Virginia State, um, but, you know, for that whole year, I didn't do nothing but party and, you know, holler at girls. And, you know, I, I so I ended up uh, essentially flunking out. They said I could have came back. I would have been on probation and all that good stuff. But essentially, I ended up flunking out. So um, after that, I needed a job. Uh you know, so a buddy of mine offered me a job installing installing carpet. Um, I thought it was just going to be something temporary, something I could do to try to figure out what I want to do. But here it is, uh, eighteen year uh, eighteen years later, and um, I can do all types of floors. It doesn't matter hardwood, vinyl, ceramic. I can do uh, kitchens, bathrooms. You know, I, a flooring is what I do. It's a skill trade that I picked up, and that's how I've made my living my entire life. Um, but also, it's where I've done the most damage my entire life, too. Um, I know the people involved in the flooring company, the flooring industry and everything. And uh, I thought by me going back to the same thing, I was doing the same thing, um, falling back. In, now, don't get me wrong. There are good people in, in the flooring industry. I'm not saying that at all. But I also know what goes goes along with that, too. Uh, I know the, the different people I would run into. Um, the different problems I could cause for myself. So I decided that it, maybe it wasn't such a good thing for me to go back to flooring, even though that's probably where I would have made the most money, um, you know, essentially starting back at landscaping, which I'm be doing. I'm going to be starting at the low end of the totem pole. Now, I can, I'm can, i pretty sure I could go back and get a job installing floors, making making decent money, but I, that's not something I want to do. Um I want to do something different in my life. I want to. I want to take a different path. So I think me taking a different path, not only with my life but with my work status, would be a good option for me. You know, not to fall back into the same, you know, same patterns and habits. Yeah, that was like the hardest thing I had to do, man. Was um, you know, I, I was in the Carpenters Union. I was, you know, doing scaffold work. I was making twenty plus dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and when I got clean this time, I took jobs where I was making a third of what I was making there. You know, um, and uh, you know, but here I am now. You know, um, and so it was some sacrifice, man. So I think that taking some proper precautions in regards to people, places, and things. Sometimes those places are old jobs. You know, um, and people say, "Well, you can stay clean anywhere." Yeah, you can, but. Why would I want to make it any more difficult on myself? I think, you know, the, the company that you're going to work for now, uh, you know, the London Custom Landscaping. Yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a drop for Lee. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, those are, you know, people that um, that support what you're trying to do, man. And, and uh, you know, uh, it's a much better work environment. Right. Um, you know, plus, you know, uh, it's just a, it's, Lee's a great guy. So, um, but anyway, man, so last but not least, man, what, what type of message would you have for somebody that is, uh, you know, that is going through the cycles that we went through, you know, that's, that's on the fence. It's, it's, it's locked back up sitting in jail right now, you know, wondering, uh, you know, what they're going to do with their life or somebody that's, you know, uh, you know, out on the streets using right now that, that, that wants to do something different, but just can't muster the ability to do something different. Um, you know, what is your message to those out there struggling uh, with addiction issues. So I would have to tell you, um, you know, cause, cause I've probably been in the same situation as, as many of y'all, if you're listening to this and, and you, you know, you can relate it all. I would say, you know, the first step is, is you got, you gotta, you gotta find it in yourself to decide that you want to do something different. 
Um, you know, and I, and I and I know that's you know cliche to say, um, you know, but a bunch of times, you know, I I, I just I did it for this or that and the third, but you know, there, there's so much help out here that all you have to do is, is honestly go somewhere and tell somebody you want help. I mean, I mean, there's different places, you know, real life's a good place. I mean, there's, you know, mental health, uh, mental health places in Chesterfield There's you know, places out in Richmond, but the, you have to make the decision in yourself that you want to do different. And, and once you did, and once you do that, you know, the, Doors will open for you. It, now it's not going to be easy by any means, but you know if as long as you take that first step and are willing to put in the work, anything is possible. Anything is possible. All right, thanks, AJ, man. We appreciate you coming on uh, the program today. Uh, look forward to watching your progress, and uh, I'm just grateful for you, man. You know this. You know people see. Um, you know where I where I'm at uh, in my life, and uh, I think sometimes people fail to realize that um, you know I gather I, I probably get more from the people that I help than I could ever give, man. So, um, so you know I want to thank you, man, for being a part of what we're doing here. I want to thank you for participating in your own life and for you know going after what you what you want, man, because it inspires me and motivates me. It reminds me, you know, um, you know that that. That that there is hope, right. you know. So anyway, thank you, man. Thank you, and I want to thank uh, Ryan, and I want to thank the real life for actually giving me this opportunity. You know, um, like I said, there's been a lot of opportunities for me, and I and I turned them down. So I mean, I just want to I want to thank you know thank real life and Ryan for for the belief they have in me, and you know just point me in the right step and and, and staying with me through this journey. All right, man. All right, man. Here at the Real Life Community Center, our mission is to assist individuals who have been impacted by incarceration and homelessness, who are battling addiction to overcome barriers and obstacles faced within the community that hinder their prosperity and their ability to have a thriving future. Our vision is to walk alongside our clients, to see them grow into prosperous and thriving life, while highlighting the barriers associated with those exiting incarceration and overcoming addiction in order to reduce the negative stigmas and stereotypes. Every day, men and women looking for second chances and redemption walk through our doors. They are seeking hope, motivation, and skills in order to make that change. Through community partnerships and financial investments, Real Life is able to provide clients specifically with what they need. Intense case management, an expected mother's program, recovery housing or housing referrals, mental health services, classes and groups, job preparation and placement, transportation assistance, substance use disorder support, educational opportunities, a clothing closet, a computer lab, and more. And most important, unconditional love and support. All donations directly support providing services to further our mission of assisting individuals who have been impacted by incarceration or homelessness or those battling a substance use disorder to overcome barriers and obstacles faced within the community that hinder their prosperity and ability to have a thriving future. If you would like to donate to Real Life Community Center, you can donate on our webpage, www.reallifeprogram.org backslash donate, or you can donate directly through the anchor.fm app or listening platform.